Welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. That's Kyle Porter. Uh, we're on the road again. <laughs> it's been a while, Kyle, since we've had uh, we, we've knocked out some good some good hotel room golf golf pod fodder, I guess. But uh, but here we are. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Where are you? You're on the road, right? Not at, at yeah, the, not in the shed. You're in you're in. Uh you're in Florida covering Oklahoma, and I'm in Oklahoma covering uh, a Missouri Oklahoma State game that's going to happen uh, in Memphis on Monday. So uh, we're all over the country. This this show travels, I guess. The show, the show, the show, the show, very much like defense does indeed travel very well. <laughs> um, all right, so we we've got a few action items, a few news items that I want to hit on and, and get some reaction until we get into, uh, obviously if you've clicked on this podcast, uh, we're breaking down some of the, the storylines that we're excited to follow, discuss and debate with you uh, here on the, uh, the first cut podcast in 2019. And number one, we got the tiger pulling out of the tournament of champions. This was, uh, I think that we had this, the tournament champions circled as, you know, obviously the, the launching point for, you know, the the sort of 2019 early campaign and, and the different things we've discussed that you may or may not be able to draw the, you know, ways that it's fun with Big Cat pulling out. Did it come as a surprise to you at all? Well, I, I don't think he was ever officially entered uh, on on the on the entry list. I think I think the presumption uh, was that he would would actually play, which was kind of a weird presumption because he hasn't done so since 2005. So I think it was more of a uh Hey, it wasn't like a just kidding. Like he, I don't think he was like, Oh, I'm in. And then I'm out. I think it was like, uh, I might be in, I'm probably in, but then he decided not to do it. I, I I don't know. I I think that, I think I was surprised a little bit. It felt like everything was pointing toward him playing. Right. I agree. I think, I think the interesting part of this is like the stuff that I kind of heard was, was, um, a little bit like, uh, world rankings points and FedEx cup points related. And that sounds, that sounds silly because it's tiger and who cares. Right. But for somebody who it's all, it's like all of a sudden he's in the top 15 in the world, you know, can I get back to uh, top five? Can I be the number one player in the world again? And, and, and some of that is like, because there's not a cut and you get these automatic uh, points uh, going a bunch of different ways. It, it less it like he doesn't feel obligated to play in whatever tournament later on just to kind of get over the hump a little bit in terms of some of those points that that's a tiger's never really been in that position he's right. never been in that situation before everybody else in the world has but he hasn't and so that that was kind of interesting and i thought that he might i thought he might do it because it's it's kind of a fun deal uh small field the last small field he played in he won uh, i guess excluding the hero world challenge but yeah i was i was a little bit surprised that he's not playing yeah last super small field that he came in uh he finished second to last that was the super small field the hero world challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah last last yeah. 30 person field yes he did emerge as the winner i have this funny <laughs> the, this really funny vision um for for tiger with the you know you talk about the world ranking points and he's he he's such a nerd and he's such a dork about these things and i just I feel like him uh, allowing himself to plug back into the week by week, the season long, the standings, the the weird machinations of the the golf world and its many bodies, and the way that they're ranking, uh, the way that the rankings sort of play into all these different things. 
it's almost like somebody who uh, who who's who stepped away from uh, a vice or a habit. Let's let's just say like you know gambling or something like that. Like you know what? I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna put it down. I'm over it. We're moving on. And then they just get like a <laughs> sweet taste of a prop bet in the Super Bowl, and they're turning around telling you about season win totals and hammering overs and unders. Like he just he gets he gets a little whiff of what it's like to be back in the top. And then all of a sudden, I just imagine like. In his head, he's like, well, okay, so if I can get, if I can finish at least, you know, in the top whatever at this tournament, in the top whatever at this tournament, like he's already mapping out his path to make sure that he's going to be in the tour championship in 2019. Yeah, and and not just that, but world number one. I mean, it's already a remarkable story. If Tiger Woods is somehow someday the number one player in the world again, that's 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 just that's all that's an all time comeback. I mean, it's already an all time comeback, but that's sort of just like the exclamation point on it. And I think that I don't know. I I never know. So like, you're saying that Tiger deal... Tiger has a TI eighty three plus, and he's mapping out the sign graph for what he needs to be able to get back to number one. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I never know like how how much uh, these guys care about being world number one. Part of me thinks that like you and I care a lot more than they do. But then part of me is like, there's only been 23 guys that have ever been number one in the world. And that's, that's a big deal. You know, like it's a, it's a, it's a real thing. And, uh, I don't know. It's, it's so unique. It's so unique to tennis and golf because every other, um, sport in which you're, uh, quote unquote ranked to number one, it's, it's by, a uh, an outside person or body or organization. Sure. Uh, nowhere else do you really like climb to number one by what you've done on the field or on the course. And, and golf is different in that. And I think, I think that meritocracy is, I mean, I've said this before, but I think that meritocracy is what makes golf great. And I think that, I think that it does probably matter to tiger to be number one in the world again. Hmm. Uh, speaking of Tiger Woods, we've got uh, we've got the match. We got a three year agreement, uh, so we've got 2018 in the books. We're gonna do 2019, 2020. How much of this uh, do we accept that because uh, Tiger and Phil have made this announcement? Does that mean that it is going to be Tiger and Phil, or what from this announcement might have left some room for some changes in the game or the competitors? Well, did you see the news that came out of Tiger's camp today that? His agent Mark Steinberg basically said this is not a done deal. Like it hasn't, it hasn't Ooh, happened yet. Phil's camp leaking it. <laughs> well, and that's sort of what happened earlier in 2018, right? Is when Phil started talking about it, and everybody was like, "Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait!" <laughs> like it was, you know, like it wasn't a done deal. So, I mean, I think it's going to happen. I think it's a matter of just getting some details worked out. But it is sort of curious that the report. Um, by uh, Dave Shedlowski at, at uh, Golf World, Golf Digest. I don't, I don't know what the official th- the header is there, but um, basically said like this: this was si- this was essentially a three-year deal signed, I, I believe, before the first match. And Tiger's agent is essentially saying, "Now we're not; it's nothing's finalized." And so that's those are very different things. Um, Regardless of all that, I think it's going to happen in 2019. I think it's going to happen in 2020. And I think that, I think based on like the buzz that's out there and and also the report and and just a bunch of different things that are pointing toward it, I think it's going to be a a team event. And, and I'm, I think the interesting part is, is it going to be 
Phil and uh, at Fowler against Tiger and JT. I don't even know who you would. Yeah, JT. Oh, that'd be good. That'd yeah. be really good. Free actually. A or hey, hey, y'all, whatever the name of the entertainment company is that Tiger and Phil started, that's free right there. Just get go get Ricky, go get JT, and you've got it. Yeah, I wonder what the name of the company is. Um, it's let's see. Please tell me it's Green Jacket Productions. <laughs> that has to be. That has to be. There has to be something like under nineteen different patents. But uh, yeah. So is it Phil and Ricky versus Tiger and JT, or is it JT and Ricky against Tiger and Phil, or, or whatever the com- you know, whatever the combination is? I, and I can't. I can't figure out which one would be more interesting. I think having Tiger and Phil on the same team would actually be kind of intriguing because I think that would sort of free them both up to do what they do best, which for Phil would be just, uh, I mean, just obliterating JT and Ricky or whoever the two are with his words, with his uh, verbal sparring. And with Tiger, and for Tiger, it would just be to just go play golf. Just tune, and, and so, tune everybody else out and just go yeah, grind exactly. out, go grind out his two under while Phil is just getting all in the young dude's head. So I think that would be the more compelling. Uh, and I, I hope, I hope that it plays out like that. Cause that's something that I would be, that would feel a lot less, um, corporate and sort of orchestrated. I mean, it, it's all orchestrated, but it, it would just feel, it would feel more, I think, uh, there would be more levity to it than a, a Tiger versus Phil match. Um, do you want to take the competition that you have on the golf course to the next level? Uh, what if about having some fun while you're doing it? Well, you've got a great opportunity uh, to do that at Top Golf. That's right. Top Golf is not just uh, a great place to go and enjoy an incredible time with your friends. Uh, you've got all the amenities that Top Golf has to offer. You can sip, you can swing, you can snack. But guess what? You can also improve your game, and you can do that with Top Golf Coach. Uh, if you go to topgolf.com/lessons, then you will be able to link up and book a lesson with one of Top Golf's certified instructors. And again, these certified instructors, they're right there at Topgolf. They know exactly what you would want to do at Topgolf, and they want to make sure that you have fun doing that, but that you also get a couple swing tips. You also get uh, a couple things that you can take away that are going to improve your golf game. So once again, we've been telling you about it all year long. Go to topgolf.com slash lessons, link up with a certified instructor, and improve your game along the way. Having fun at topgolf.com slash lessons lessons all right we've got the storylines for 2019 <laughs> that we're excited to get into uh, you this is a piece it's live yes it is live on cbssports.com you should probably uh probably go over there and read it click on it because we're all looking for the bag of clicks can i can i start at the wonkiest of your uh storylines and then we can unpack it to the fun stuff yeah, I well, I don't I don't know which one you're going to think is the wonkiest, but yeah, start there. It's not Cam Champ. <laughs> no. No, but it's it's it is about uh the equipment. Do you think that we will see a major announcement? Uh obviously, they won't put anything into effect for 2019, but do you think that we will see in 2019 any more advancement in the idea that uh whether it's the the PGA Tour, the European Tour, the Masters, uh the the USGA, are we going to see any of the four families, the warring bodies? Are we, are we going to see them make any drastic changes to the equipment that the top players in the world are using for competition? I don't think so. And, and I don't know. 
I mean, honestly, I think that all of this ends in some sort of litigious battle somewhere down the road, right? Because it's, and I don't know. I, I like. I feel like this. We're like, oh, this is a storyline every year, and then every year nothing happens. But it. I, I think my point with this is, it felt like in 2018 the conversation at least got louder uh, in, in in sort of mainstream golf circles on Golf Channel. Uh, you know, in various stories and reports and articles, I I think the conversation was it was like, hey, this is this is a big deal for the future, and what what's gonna what are we going to do about this? And when Cam Champ's out there, you know, driving at 338 yards, like averaging that, you're like, okay, well, this is this is probably not great. And how how do we, you know, what do we do? And and who takes the first step? And I, I think the problem, Chip, is like none of the five bot like who did bot, I miss? Did I miss PGA Americas? Or, was the one I missed? Well, you've got RNA, you've got USGA, you've got uh, PGA Tour, you've got. Um, I guess European Tour is different from the RNA, right? Yeah, you've got uh, European Tour. I probably wouldn't throw in there, but you've got PGA of America, and then you've got Augusta National. And so those are sort of the the, the five families, I think, as, as Jeff Shackelford calls them. But I feel like they're all on different pages, and they all have different interests, and they all have different reasons for wanting what they want. And then obviously you've got all the equipment companies, which I mean, the thing that people don't talk about is a lot of the equipment companies are the the companies that fund a lot of this, not fund, but they, the, there's a lot of money flowing in different directions, uh, from the parties involved, if that makes sense. And so there's Wait, a lot of, you, you mean dirt. just because it's like, uh, the equipment companies have their relationship with the golfers where they will pay for sponsorships and also supply equipment, and therefore they get the the advertising value, I guess would be the, the way that that arrow would go the other way, and then they also sell the equipment, and then they receive the revenue from consumers, regular golfers purchasing it. Are those Is that sort of the, the flow chart that you're looking at from... Uh, well, equipment companies to players, equipment companies to consumers. Yeah, you've you've also got like if if Golf Channel or whoever goes to P- the PGA Tour and says this is what we value um, purchasing the rights to your product at, they know that they're going to be able to take that to Titleist, to TaylorMade, to Callaway, and make money off of it. And so if they're if they're no longer able to do that because Callaway is not able to sell their you know, number one driver anymore because it's deemed illegal. Oh. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Golf Channel has a valuation problem with the PGA Tour, and then all of a sudden, the PGA Tour has a little bit of a problem. And I don't, I have no idea how big of a deal that stuff is, but it's certainly, I think, under like worth considering when we talk about all this. But the general point is that like all five of these bodies are on, they're just on different pages, and I don't know. I don't know who's going to take the first step. I don't know what that step is. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's something that I don't think is going to get quieter uh, going into into 2019. Am I wrong to say that? And this is anecdotal, just pulling it out of my memory, which is you know all all jostled and orange bowled up right now. But isn't <laughs> isn't Jack Nicholas a little bit of uh, one of the ones that's that's talking about it a lot? I remember him spending some time, probably at his tournament this summer like really getting into it. And maybe, you know, he spends, he's got like three or four tournaments a year where I feel like he, he joins the booth and he talks about golf. I mean, he's, he's still got that time where he's, 
he's speaking with a lot of authority on the game, and I, f- I feel like he's bringing it up a lot. Am I wrong on that? No, you're you're right. I, I think it was my first Masters to cover in person. I think that was in '16. He said, "You got to roll the or you got to change the friggin' golf ball, or some, something like that." That was his that was his phrase uh, because it's out of control. And and so and that's the thing, right? Like everybody's got a different idea. Do you change the golf ball? Do you, you change, change the, the? Do what? Oh yeah, keep going. Do you change the like? how far you can hit like the, I, I can't remember the phrasing, but like essentially how far you can hit a driver, how, how much the, how, how effective the drivers are made. We need Bryson to break that down for us. Um, do you change the, the one, some of the best ideas I heard in, in 2018, uh, two people that pitched one person said, just get, just don't have drivers. Like just don't let pros play with drivers. And then the other one was don't let pros play with tees. Ooh, and the tease one is interesting because, like, who who where's the pushback? Like, who pushes back on on you can't play with the tee? You can still hit a driver. Good luck. Right. Oh man, and so like, Henrik Stenson leaping out of his shorts right now at the idea Henry, of a tealess uh, tealess golf world. Henrik Stenson would would win the Grand Slam, but it, it's it's a pretty interesting idea, right? Because like, it there's is. no big there's no big tea company that's like, nope, you can't do that. Can't do it. It is the cheapest product in a very, very expensive sport to play. Yeah, and, and the easiest one to sort of ban or get rid of or whatever. So that that's fascinating. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know where it's going or, or what direction it's headed in. But it, um, it I, I don't know. It, it's it's not it's not great right now. And I think that the thing that is most compelling to me is is shot shaping it's not distance it's not how far you know it's not dj driving at 450 yards it's it's uh jt hitting a, a cut around a tree or or hitting a cut to a back right flag or, or whatever it is and i think a lot of that is not a lot but some of that is getting taken away by the fact that the ball goes 400 yards and you're just hitting these you know little little half wedges and in, into a lot of these greens um okay let's let's bounce around a little bit here uh, this year's Kepka. So is that yeah. a, is that like one player who's going to dominate? Is that one player who has the potential to win two majors? Like what to you, what defines a Kepka and follow-up question? Could it be Brooks Kepka? It could, it, it would be a little bit, uh, I mean, we'd have to start talking about the historical precedence. If it is Kepka, if he wins two more majors and he's got five in his first 24, then people will probably yeah. say he's, you know, the seventh best golfer in the sport. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I think the thing that I'm talking about here is like who owns the season. Sure. So whether whether that's winning, I think you can own a season if if all if all the majors are split between four guys, but you and and none of them wins more than like twice overall, but you win six times. Like if JT wins six times but doesn't win a major, I think you probably still own the season. Uh, but another way to own it is to win a major and two other events, uh, which is sort of what we saw with Kepka. He won two majors and then another uh, event, even though it wasn't in the same season. It was in the same calendar year. Um, so I'm just curious about who owns the season. There's there's always one of those, you know, 10, 12, 15 guys that we talk about that that kind of seems to rise above everybody else. And in, in 15, it was Spieth. 
Uh, in 16, it was DJ won three times, including the U.S. Open. And, and I think it matters how you win the major. Like, DJ winning that U.S. Open at Oakmont in the way that he did, that was sort of uh, a watershed moment for that particular year. Uh, and then in 17, it was JT winning five times plus a major. And then obviously in, in 18, it was it was Kepka winning two. So uh, is it John Rahm? Is it Tommy Fleetwood? Is it Rory? Is it Ricky Fowler? Who, who is it that kind of rises above everybody else? If you were to place a bet, where would you put? Because obviously it's kind of hard for us to put values on like 10 to 1, 12 to 1 with uh, with an abstract um, you yeah. know, setting like this. But who, who would you make as, as your favorite to, to be that player? Probably JT. Um, I think he's still in the middle of that. I want to win as many majors as I can attitude or like mindset. And I think that is a very, not, not that, I don't know. I, I, I don't like to talk about, I mean, we always talk about this with Rory, like, has he passed that? I don't, I don't even really know what that means, but I think there's a difference between the mindset of Rory when he was 23 and the mindset of Rory when he's 29. I mean, and so, those are human beings most of the time. Not always, yeah. but most of the time, yes. Yeah, and so I think with JT, he's still kind of in the middle of that. I think there's an argument to be made that Spieth is a little bit, not beyond, I, I, again, like this is like armchair psychoanalysis, but a little bit like beyond the like being like super hungry for major championships. I still think Spieth wants to and is going to win majors, but th- there's just a there's a difference when you only have none or one or whatever, and and I think JT still feels that a lot. I I have found myself for no reason at all slowing what was a a v- like white hot burn for John Rahm. Is it only just going to take like a one win or a couple good performances for me to jump back on board? I mean, am I, well, why, I, why 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 have things been quiet from the John Rahm hype train? Yeah, I, I, I think. One of the things with Rom is he is he wins like like he doesn't go on these two or three week heaters. He'll win uh, in January in California. He'll win in April in Ireland. He'll win in September in Dubai. He'll win in November in New York. Whatever, whatever, whatever not New York, but wherever they're playing. And he's just like he, he's a he's a very consistent winner without the like four week heater where you're like, is this, the, is this guy the best player of all time? Right, and so I think, right. I think that sort of plays into the way that people perceive him. Cause it's, you, you start to look at it at the end of the year and you're like, Oh wow. John Rom won. Wow. John Rom won six times in the last two years. And they were all spread out and they were on different tours and they were with different fields and, and all these different things. I, I think that that's probably part of the reason why you feel like that. Um, the, in one last note on Kepco before we move on, uh, from, from your story, I, I, the odds are very, very unlikely that he is able to win a third in a row, but, and you mentioned this, there's only six players who have three U S opens period. That's it. There's only, there's only six of them. Yeah. I would say that I do think Brooks Kepka Will I think Brooks Kepka will be another one added to that group, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that over under Brooks Kepka wins his third U.S. Open in the next four and a half years. I would say I agree with you. 
I would say under. I think he wins another U.S. Open. I don't think it happens this year, though. That would be ridiculous. Well, how, how, and, and here's the thing, and, and this is, this is one of, part of one of my storylines, but how crazy would it be to go Aaron Hills, Shinnecock, Pebble? I mean, that's all-time type stuff. Like those are, yeah. those are I, every, they are iconic and they're iconic in different ways and they're different courses and they're all over the country. Like they are literally in like both coasts in the middle of the daggum country. Yeah. And you know, it was interesting. I, Curtis Strange did a really good podcast with the no, with, uh, I think it was just with Chris Solomon at, over at no Lane up. And he talked about, cause he was the last one to repeat 89 and 90, I think 88, 89, somewhere in that range. And he talked about like going for the third. And now I think. I think that Curtis Strange is a little bit more, um, I think he gets in his own head a little bit more than Kepka does, but he said it was just, it was so, uh, it was so hard. Like going for a third one was so, so so you're saying that the, uh, the Wake Forest grad is smarter than the Florida state dumb, dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely put that. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. Let's put Uh, that. uh, We're sending it into, uh, to golf week right now. I don't think that Kepka is susceptible to some of the things that would sort of preclude you from winning the third straight U.S. Open. And so, I, I mean, to do it at Pebble would just be, I mean, you'd, you'd have to start talking about him as like one of the great golfers of all time if he does that, honestly. And I know that sounds crazy, but to have four majors with three of them being us opens at the age of whatever he is, 28, 29, you're like, what, what are we, what are we doing here? Well, from him to, uh, I think, you know, one of the, if not the greatest golfer of all time, Tiger Woods, we've, so these, I want, I want to hit these two real quick because Jordan Spieth also historically great golfer. Um, we have dedicated entire episodes over the last, a month, month and a half or so to each of these golfers. So if you haven't listened to it, I would definitely encourage you uh, to go back and review those. But as you were putting these together, anything new or anything sort of stand out that's really lingering for you about uh, Tiger or Spieth as we continue to head into the year? Because, you know, from from either, you know, your tastes, my tastes, the golf world's tastes, like it, we know that this is going to be a topic that's going to be revisited a lot. But as you were contemplating uh, the, the different storylines for this piece, what was standing out to you? Well, I think what, I think what stood out to me, Chip was not necessarily anything about those two guys, but rather that it, it feels like, and this is so like personal and like other people might not agree with this, but it feels like those are the two biggest storylines for me heading into 2019. And, and, and like, I don't mean like, Oh, well they kind of edged out the other six or seven that I have on here, but rather that they were like clear cut the two biggest storylines for me. And and there was other things I considered like, you know, is Fowler a big storyline? Uh, Kepka going for three straight U S opens that came in third, but it felt like a distant third to what Tiger does and how Spieth responds to his 2018. And, and so I think that more than anything, just how much those two storylines popped when I was making those li- this list uh, is, is kind of what stood out. Um, a little bit below the radar, but this is, uh, I, I, it's funny because you even, you've mentioned this, but, and again, does being the world number one matter? I don't know. Is it overrated? Probably. Is it underrated? Yeah, maybe a little bit so, but I, I think that the, the Justin Rose versus Dustin Johnson, um, 
like each of them with their game in a in a really strong spot over the last what three years, I guess. Justin Rose has been one of the most consistent players in the world. I know over the last two or three years, you say the same for DJ, but as those two uh, sort sort of play out and as the number one is up for grabs and as it might get passed around, like, do you foresee either one of those either taking a big step forward or uh, sort of falling back a little bit from where they've been at? Yeah. So, so this was, this was kind of a weird one that I kind of stumbled upon and it, it's, it's kind of a mechanism to talk about everybody from that era. I mean, they're not, they're not totally in the same era cause they're about five years apart, but to talk about all these guys in that era that have one major and a bunch of wins and it's like who elevates themselves to the two or three major club. Because you, you can talk about uh, Martin Keimer, you can talk about Adam Scott, mm. you can talk about th- maybe throwing Webb Simpson in there. Henrik Stinson's kind of on the on the other side in terms of being a little bit older, but that that sort of guy. There, there's all these guys between like 34 and 42 that have eight win, not eight wins, that have between five and ten wins and one major. And, and DJ and Justin Rose are the most prominent because they're the two best out of all those. And, and it, it was so interesting to look at their numbers. Uh, I'll, I'll read them to you. Justin Rose won 23 times worldwide, 15 top tens at majors, and one major win, uh, a U.S. Open. Dustin Johnson's won 20 times worldwide, 15 top tens at majors, and one major win, a U.S. Open. I, I was I was stunned by how similar their careers have been. I, I don't. I mean, I guess I would have thought that. And I think. I think you would argue that DJ has been better, but in terms of sheer numbers, they've been, they've been really similar for the last, you know, decade or so. And, and so I'm, I'm real. I, I think that, I think DJ is the best bet to, to kind of, you know, maybe he reels off two majors in five tries or, or two and seven or whatever. And you look back and say, okay, DJ was the guy that was clearly, you know, the, the best out of that group of six, eight, 10 guys. But maybe not, you know, maybe Justin Rose wins two majors this year and and he's the one that we talk about. But I I think that's a really interesting conversation going into 2019. All right. And finally, uh, Cam Champ. I mean, this this is like I am uh, I'm I'm holding out for Matthew Wolf, as I've stated here on this podcast. I'm I'm probably going to have to be wooed over to uh, Cam Champland. But uh, but I know that you've you bought up all the stock way early in the game. So I mean, this like is he ready right now? Do you think is this is there? Do you feel with utmost confidence that he is going to deliver on the promise that he has shown so far in his young career? No, I, I don't. But I think I think the reason that this is a storyline is because all of a sudden it, it it's like the it, it's it's sort of a microcosm. Not to make this political because I'm not, but it's sort of a microcosm for our culture of like, Oh, let's, let's run over there to the new shiny thing. That's, you know, the, the hit of the week this week or whatever. And I feel like the PGA tour almost took what cam champ did in the fall and was like, Hey, here's the new shiny thing. And it's like, well, are you making him into something that he can live up to? Mm. Or, and I get it. Like they want to market somebody and whatever. I mean, it's been like, it's been that way for all of Ricky Fowler's career. Um, and, and he's not the only guy they've done it with several guys. And it's like, well, let, let's let this breathe a little bit. Like, let's let it play out a little bit and see what he's actually going to be. Um, but I think the interesting part about this is that he's the, he's the one 
on this list that I'm least confident about what's going to happen. I have no idea. If he wins a major, I'm not really that surprised. If he doesn't, if he has like two top tens and and no more wins the rest of the year, I'm not I'm not super surprised. He, and so I I think, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I think because of that that it, it makes like when you when your possible outcomes are that far apart, I think it makes for a really intriguing storyline. Sure. I how about this? I think that Cam Champ's likely landing spot for the way that things are going to go, like. I think that Xander Shoffley is probably a a pretty like if if he has a Xander type uh, sort of run here where you make some noise at a couple majors and and maybe you win a big tournament you get get one good win under your belt then that seems like something that is attainable and correct and that is uh, not as much my uh, you know my heels on uh, on cam champ as it is just my continued burning excitement for the rest of the golf world because while pga tour and uh, other golf fans might be running to the the new and fancy thing uh, i'm i'm still out here rooting for tiger to win a major so <laughs> i can't i do, i don't do i don't have time like I, I don't have time for cam champ right now do you, <laughs> do you think that xander is the cam champ ceiling I don't think it's the cam champ ceiling. I think it's the most likely outcome for the way that his young career could start. I think that's a pretty good outcome. I mean, I think it's a great outcome. Yeah. I think, I think I would say that respectfully of cam champ and Xander. How many times has Xander won? Three. Uh, is it three? Three. I think three. I think he won, he won, uh, he won Greenbrier. He won tour championship and he won, uh, he won China. Oh, I'd forgotten about China. I think those are his three wins. And I honestly, I think, I think I I think the Xander comp is, is fun and a good one. I think that's kind of the ceiling. Interesting. I mean, Xander, Xander's had a really good two year run and it gets, again, like we, we don't properly contextualize this stuff because we compare Xander to like Spieth and JT and Tiger. And you're like, well, okay, whatever. (laughs) But he didn't make the Ryder Cup. He, he was there, obviously. He was right there. I think that Cam Champ, next time we come around for the Ryder Cup, is not on the team, but I think he's in the discussion. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, like, he's already won once, so he's, you know, a third of the way there. Right, I, I don't, right, for sure. I don't necessarily disagree. I, I just, I, I'm hesitant for, it's like, People are, oh, you know, next speed, next year. And it's like, well, let's let's let him play like 15 tournaments, see what happens. Yeah. And also, just, we all... still have speed and JT yeah. and Ricky yeah. and Rory and Rom and TJ and Justin Rose and Tommy F. Fleetwood. <laughs> like, I just I don't I don't I don't see I, I don't see where there is enough pie for leftovers right now. I, I hope I hope Tommy Fleetwood wins ten tournaments in twenty nineteen. I hope he wins. That's my twelve. <laughs> that's my that's my dream scenario. Like forget everything else. I want I want Fleetwood <laughs> to win both opens, all the playoff events. I want him to play in the President's Cup, even though he's not allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> he he and he like moves and takes up a new residence and finds a loophole to be able to play. <laughs> For the Pacific team. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do let's it. Go. 
Oh, man. Uh, I, I don't want to run through them all. I don't want to spoil everything. I do want, uh, if you want to catch the rest of the storylines, you can head on over to cbssports.com. Kyle Porter's top storylines to watch for 2019. Um, Kyle, thank you very much, man. I appreciate the time. Hey, it's been a great year. And uh, on to 2019. On to 2019. Thanks, man. See ya.